I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Well, very well, welcome everybody. This is the UK Open Daily. We'll be uh, doing the pod today and tomorrow. We will then uh, go on and do the live lounge on Monday to look back from the quarterfinals onwards. Uh, Jack Gobbergaard was supposed to be hosting tonight, but unfortunately, uh, well, to be fair, he's been on there since 10.30 in the morning. So who need, so he needs a bit of sleep. So I'm stepping in. Uh, my name is Jarlath Beaton. Thank you again for listening to the show. Uh, Lee Boyce is alongside me to talk some darts with you, as is Luke Pickering. Uh, both of them have been on the stream with us all night around four, so well-equipped to talk about a very, very busy day. Lee, though, you've been on it since 11 o'clock this morning, so thank you for staying with us. We are nearly, nearly there, I promise, when we talk about this, but what an incredible day of darts, mate. Yeah, uh, incredible is probably the best way to explain it. I think within 20 minutes of going live, we had a, a nine darter, we had one later on follow-up, and then some of the dames that we've seen throughout the day and this evening have just been at a very, very high standard. Um, so what a day, what a day. Luke, you've been on it since the evening, mate. Uh, and even in the evening, it's been pretty um, exceptional. But, you know, it's been another very busy day of darts and we've seen some huge stories. Yeah, it's been littered with class. I've thoroughly enjoyed this evening's session. And as, as you said, it's one of the most manic days of the year. But we love the UK Open for that reason. The draw threw up so many surprises. The likes of Van Dijvenboer again answered it. It, it, it. There was so much surrounding the draw and so much hype surrounding it after round three. And it was brilliant. It's been a really, really good day. And I think we've got so much more to come. We've got so many more good games that we can see tomorrow. Indeed, indeed. Let's uh, talk about the, the big stories. And I guess it's the... The big exits, really, um, although, you know, we, we will give credit to both Dave Chisel and Dirk van Dijvenboda, Peter Wright and Gary Anderson, both going home early doors on day one of the UK Open on the fourth round, Lee. It's a big story that both the former World Cup champions are gone. Yeah, um, 
the, the Peter Wright one, I know we've had plenty of discussions between the team around Peter Wright as what we've seen uh, last week with the darts he was using. And um, we've seen plenty of changes with his darts tonight. I'm not sure how many times he changed. But um, Freddie, for me, must start today Chisel on that. Very good performance um, from Chizzy to knock out Peter Wright 10-5. But um, Peter Wright now needs to let his confidence back. The switches over his career, I don't want to knock him because he's a world champion and those switches were part of him becoming a world champion. But it seems like now he's having a massive impact on his confidence. And with um, more events coming up this month for next month, the Premier League starts, Peter Wright certainly needs to find the right equipment to use to move forward. Yeah, look, you were watching that game the majority of the way through uh, for us uh, on the stream. And Wright just doesn't, for me, he just doesn't know what darts he wants. That's the crucial thing at the moment. Yeah, I'd not even, to, you know, there's a few players that I do think are having a bit of a confidence crisis, MVG included. So impressive that he got through. But yeah, you just look at the likes of Wright and it do, it just seems to be a losing battle. He never seems to get on top of his darts and he lets his darts dictate his play too much. I mean, you know, through your own play that changing darts is never the solution. You really need to find your own game. And, and find a bit of confidence with the equipment you're using. So I just don't think that's always the way. As for Dave Chisnell, let's again, let's give credit to Dave Chisnell. He dismissed Wright quite easily and, and played really well. Even if Peter Wright had played his A game, he still would have been challenged. So Dave Chisnell just, yeah, wasn't necessarily wiping the floor with him, but he just kept right at arm's length the whole game and the first three legs ended up being critical. Yeah, I mean, this is the thing though, mate, because I'm, I'm just looking through the stats now at, at the game, right? And this is... I mean, look, the state of live darts data today could just go and <laughs> fat one, to be fair, the way the state of it is ridiculous. But look, you look at this, and, this, and the way it started, I mean, because Chisnell was was flying, you know, almost had a chance of a nine darter in the first bloody leg, uh, well, the first couple of legs, and uh, it just didn't quite work out for him. But he was 3-0 up within no time, and then Wright got it back, and he got it back to 4-1, uh, to and then, you know, then he... He went missing a little bit, did Chizzy, in the little part of the game. But I think, for me, the big moment was at the start of the of the second session or third session when it was 6-4 and Wright had just broken him. Wright misses a dart at tops after Chizzy misses a 1-2-7 and game. Wright missing that dart there, Luke, could have really cost him, I think. Yeah, now that you say that, that that was for me watching it. That that was that was the turning point, wasn't it? Peter Wright should never ever have managed to get back to six four, but somehow he did do that, and he had to capitalise. And, and to be fair, Chisnell was so unlucky because the dart I double it from the one two seven wasn't even a bad dart, but he got lucky to come back to the board. And he, I'm pretty sure he took that out with a with a third dart on, on that visit. Yeah. So he left it late as well. But Chisnell, yeah, again, he got a, bit, a little bit lucky in parts, but. You know, his lead was of his own doing. The first three legs he ran away with, and, and from then on, he just controlled the match from one where he needed to. I'm just looking through it again. Yeah, 14, 14, 14 darts, a 13 dart, and a 14 dart in the first five legs he won. That's world class, and that, that can match anyone. So, really good performance from Dave Chisnell. Peter Wright was up against it from the word go. Yeah, Lee, obviously, you're a big fan of, of Snakey, and I don't want to, to labour the point on this because we will move on to Gando in a second. But, big response there from Chisnell who could, theoretically, could be world number five by the end of the week if uh, if things are going to go. Because Rob Cross and James Wade, one of them is going to go out tomorrow, uh, as we'll talk about in a second. But um, look, Dave Chisnell, for me, 
you know, if he, if he can just keep it together, because the action broke down a little bit during the middle of the game, but if he keeps it together, who's to say this weekend might not be the weekend that it finally happens for him? Yeah, and I, I think I think with Trizzy, it's one of them that it, it can happen, um, but we seem to always have the same conversation about Trizzy of will it happen? Um, we've seen, obviously, with that performance he put in, in the World Championships against MVG, not as good tonight against Peter Wright, but still a very, very impressive performance by Dave Chisnell. And it's just an a we just need to see if he can carry that on into the weekend and push on because it's such an open draw. Um this time around a Utah open always is sorry, this competition's such such an open draw. And Chisnell, it might be the right competition for him to do one and finally pick up his first major. We'll see indeed what happens. We'll talk about Chizzy's draw in a second. Uh, another big story, though, Luke, was uh, the departure of the Flying Scotsman, Gary Anderson. And 5-2 up at one stage against Dirk van Dijvenbode. It looked like he was cruising, to be fair. Um, and I think more than anything, his scoring just completely let him down in the game. And in the end, it's a 9 all game. And uh, in, in the final leg... You know, he misses chances to, to dirt for a 12 data because he leaves himself on one, two, six after nine, but eventually gets the job done on double three. And I remember calling this game in and I was thinking at five, two, this is a very comfortable win. And then uh, he goes and wins five legs on the spin. Does, does, does dirt from five, two to get it back to seven, five. And then Gando gets it back to seven all, leading eight, seven as well. I don't know what, I don't know what Gary Anderson is at the minute. <laughs> yeah, I didn't watch too much of the match because I was obviously watching my the boards that I was. But looking at the stats now, seeing Gary Anderson average 50 and 56 in individual legs is something I can't say I've ever, ever seen before. That It's impossible. You would, you'd never, ever have seen that coming. But he just didn't, didn't turn up in, the, in that big period after winning them four legs to let Dirk reel off five legs. But to be fair, an 11, three back-to-back 13 darters and a 12 darter, again, that is world-class. The Dirk van Dijven border, we, all, we talk about the topic of who's got the most bottling darts. I do think right now it's Dirk van Dijven border because he doesn't fear anyone. And that showed again today to win the last two legs. When you're, when you're up against it, really, needed to win the last two. He, he was 9-8 down. But yeah, Anderson, again, it's, it, he does, he's still not on full tilt. I still, that's not the guy Anderson that won the World Championship. I don't think it was the Gary Anderson that won the World Championship when he was in the World Final this year. I think he's just a little bit off, maybe just 1% or 2%, but 1% or 2% at the elite level of world darts, that, that's the difference between winning and losing. Yeah, look, what do you think yourself on this one, Because uh, Lee? Because it's a big moment here for Dirk. He's beaten Gando again, uh, like he did at the World Grand Prix, obviously had the World Championship defeat as well. But this is an interesting one now because I remember last year, this time last year, he reached a Euro Tour semi-final. I was thinking, hey, hello, this is a sexy pick for Dirk van Dijven Boda. And now it's more than a sexy pick. Yeah, um, it was certainly in the mix. Um, if we didn't have that uh, Masters final, which we had, it was certainly a name that was um, being spoken about a lot for the um, Premier League the performance tonight against Darry Anderson, I 100% agree with Lou regarding the bottle that he's showing. Um, he's going to be one I'm very interested to see when we've got fans fans back in to see if that is still the same level of bottle that Dirt has got. But very impressive, reeling off them five leads today. Um, he's certainly one to look out for. But 
Um, I know we're going to touch upon it later in regards to the draw, but what a draw he's got. Certainly not the person he wanted to meet tomorrow afternoon. There's certainly a lot easier draws than what Dirt has got. Definitely, definitely. I'll tell you what, actually, we'll, we'll let you guys do fo- uh, stages five and six and seven and eight. And uh, yeah, I really wish we could play steps, but we get sued so badly. Um, when we, go <laughs> through the, uh, we go through the results on that one um, because you guys have been watching that. So we'll come on to that in a second. But I want to touch on a great game on stage two, if possible. Um, this is the thing on this one, right? About Joe Cullen and Michael Smith. <laughs> Smith was 5-1 down at one stage, right, to Joe Cullen. He then produces 12-17, 12 with a big fish, and then a 15 dart with a 111 to level it back at 5-all. He then goes 6-5 up, it's 6-all, and then it gets back to all this sort of stuff. And then he just produces an 11 darter against the throw after Cullen misses a 1-2-8 for a 12 dart leg to hold. An incredible game. Averages of 99.1 for Joe Cullen. Michael Smith, 101.5. He gets over the line, Lee, in a massive game. Do, yeah. do we take... Do we... I don't want to say it. I don't want to jinx it. <laughs> but, and we can't talk about it because the draw following up is awful. But is that is that a turning point? Is it? Um, I'm going to say no at the moment, just because we've saw Michael Smith do this before in this sort of stage of competitions, but it's in pushing on and doing that in the later rounds. Um, is another one for me starting to fall under that bracket of choosing around when he will win a major. And for me, it is a when and not an if, but. The, the statue thrown out there about Michael Smith and the lads, we know we can do it, the big fish. But what a difficult draw is that. One thing I touched upon, the three things we've spoke about so far is why I love the UK Open so much. Um, obviously, we, we all have a debate about what our favourite ones is, but no one can moan about the UK Open around the draws. These are um, third round, fourth round dames, sorry. Fourth round dames, and these are the dames that we are talking about. But Michael Smith... Um, I would like to see him push on this weekend um, and win that first major. But I'm not sure if today will count as the turning point just because of where we are in the competition. I'd like to see him do that in quarter semis and moving forward. What do you think, Luke? Because it was a great game between the pair. And it's a shame for Cullen as well, because we've always talked about Cullen making that next step. We thought it could be this weekend, but I guess... You don't do much wrong when you miss a one two eight for a twelve data on your own throw, and then a bloke pings in an eleven dart for the match. Yeah, and Michael Smith is becoming a bit of a wizard on these one seventies. You remember the match at the Masters when he hit two against Adrian Lewis? He's, yeah. he's not messed about with these big fishes, is he? I also thought it was quite interesting that Joe Cullen's come out on Twitter and said that you know their matches are easy to take to lose like that. Now, what does that say about your opponent if you're happy to lose because they've played that well? It's a sign of Michael Smith's form and how good he is becoming. He is one of those players that when he's on his A game, players do just understand that special players do special things and he's one of those special players that can win games no matter where he's coming from. Now, what I really want to see is him take the step mentally. He really, if this, doesn't, if this tournament doesn't go the way it should do, Sports psychologists, I don't know whether they're in touch, but it has to happen. He's got to change something because he's got the talent. He's got the capabilities to go and win a major. It's all in his head. 
but hopefully he's turned a corner and Miles Smith finally goes on and at least makes the semi-finals or the final of, a, of another major tournament and gets himself another opportunity because he, he just he buys opportunities but then doesn't take them. And finally, I really hope this is the one. Well, let's hear from him now uh, in his press conference. Here is Buddy Boy Michael Smith. Many congratulations. You've come for an absolute barnstormer over on stage two. First of all, how are the emotions and just sum up what that was like? Uh, I don't think I can sum it up. Uh, I'm just over the moon that I won. Uh, it's not even like... A, a 1-4-5 is not given a chance, but the 72, I missed it too. And it was just every leg we just went at each other and it, it was kind of on each other's floor. That on my floor, I was doing like 11s and 12s and Izzy was doing the same. And last leg of four, I'm not going to... There's no more legs, you've got to do something now. And luckily enough, I, I knew he missed the ball, I just don't know which one. And he let me in for the 41, so just over the moon. We saw at the end what it meant to you leaning over the table. Was that months of frustration all coming out? Uh, we, yeah, I think it was the, what was it called, the Power Series last week? Yeah. I lost three of them or whatever. It was 6-5 and I was on like 24 after 12 and then get a goal. I was on something stupid. Like 103, lost to an 85. I was like, how is this happening? And same again. I just thought it was going to happen again. But no, it was just, that's why like, oh, it was just, Relief more than anything. What's it been like the last few months for you? Obviously, two TV tournaments, the Worlds and the Masters, didn't go according to plan. Was it? Has it been tough? Um, the Worlds was tough. Masters was kind of me get, getting back into getting back into year, which I've done every year. The Worlds was tough, but you know, I didn't get paid for the Premier League, so now I can try to do my way backstage and like go back to what I used to do years ago. Where I was garbage on TV and I used to win pro tours, make the finals all the time, Europeans. And I get my ranking straight up and that, that's what I can do again this year. Now I can just solely concentrate on the family and do my work. Where in the Premier League, I've got five months of never being at home. I never concentrate on family life. So no, it's gutted not being, but blessing. But also it's a blessing now I can concentrate on the game even more. Was, was it a relief that that final money's come off your ranking as well? Because I know a lot's, lots made of it where now you've almost got a clean slate because the rankings are dominated by the world's money. So is that kind of a clean bill of health for you now? Um, it would have been nice to stay on because I still would have been in top four and I'd be in the Prem. But I'm, I'm really good that I'm not in it. But uh, yeah, now like you, you see some people now as defending that never did and it was flying up the rankings and now you see them dropping back below you and it's I lost 185 grand clean off my ranking and I only drops what four pla five four places, five places, whatever it was. And now I'm not defending until match play, and then I've got nothing else to defend again. It's all first round losses. So no, I, I know I'm not gonna drop out. Well, I'll probably jinx myself now, but I know I'm not gonna drop out of top ten. I know I'll finish back in the top four by the end of the year. So Michael, pleasure as always, lad. Thanks very much for your time. Cheers, lad. Michael, uh, five on down there. What's going through your mind at that point? Just get a few more legs so I don't get embarrassed. But then, <clears throat> going to five on, I was like, I win this now. And then, missed that 82 to go 7-5 up. And it was just like, I've just got just to gotta keep, in, keep in touch and keep going, keep fighting. And then, luckily enough, I got to nine on. It was like, now's your chance. You've got to hit him big. And he kicked off in 93 or four. A couple of travels now, put the pressure on. But then he went one eighty two and I folded him back. And I think it can, that 180 falling back got to him then, because if I had to follow that, he would have filled it up again. Like you've seen about two legs previous to that. 
So, lovely enough, got through. Is this the result and the performance you needed to really give you that confidence boost tonight? Um, no, because I've I've won games playing better than I've lost games playing worse than that. So, my confidence is always always the highest it can be. I always want, I'll always think that I'm number one. So, I never ever have low confidence, even when I'm playing really really bad and I can never win a game for months and months. I still turn up to tournaments believing that I am the best player. So tonight, I didn't prove I was the best player, but I proved. I just took out probably, in my eyes, the second favourite of the tournament, which Johnny Clayton should be the first favourite, but he's not. But I just took out the second favourite and now I'm, I'm straight up there now. How hungry are you for success again this season? <laughs> I'm hungry for success all the time, but I think what's doing made in now, I need, I need that title more than anything. I, I can't keep holding my loads on just having Shanghai. I need the I need the big one to go on my rankings now, and I keep fighting until I get. I'll never. You can ask me the same quest, question in ten years if you haven't got one, but I still keep going and just keep fighting. But hey, I'll come if it's this year. I'll be trying my hardest. Thanks, Michael. Well played tonight. Cheers, brother. Uh, Michael, when you're involved in a game like that, are you able to enjoy it, or is it all wrapped up in the pressure of the situation? No, I hear them type of games because like I like watching Joe. <laughs> like I'm not in the tournament, I only watch darts for like watching like Anderson or Chiz, Joe, Ian White. So it's not nice playing him, but it's not nice losing to me because <clears throat> at the end of the day he's taking my wages off me, he's taking the money I need to pay bills and you have to win. So I enjoy winning them, but I just don't enjoy playing one of my best mates on tour and I don't know how good today will be now. And that that's where it's not enjoyable for me. Yeah, you, you talked previously about the Premier League and obviously not being included this year. Is that a real a real kick that you needed going into 2021? Yeah, I don't know. I, I was probably, yeah, because I, I just relied on my levels that I've been in the Premier League. Because like, even now with the 10 that's picked, five of them's not as, bad, not as good as me. But yeah, they're in. So it was one of them I, I should be in, but I'm not. And then even then, the likes of Wadey, Merv King... They're players that should be looked for the tournament. Yeah, we're not in. Now we can concentrate and just get on with everything. Do you think, as you say that, do you think it takes away that you can now concentrate on the, the rank majors, like the UK Open, obviously the world match players as a place that you want to you want to be succeeding again this year? Yeah, for me now, I can concentrate more on my family life as well. For four or five, whatever years it is, I've not had the first half of the year proper with the kids. And... Having the good family life and the good mentality, that's even better for me going into tournaments because I'm more, I'm not stressed going home. I've only got a day or two. I'm going to wash my clothes quick, get out. Now I get to enjoy life and enjoy my game again and enjoy playing and enjoy travelling to tournaments. Not knocking the Premier League because I'm gutted I'm not in it. I'm just chuffed that I'm, I get more time at home as well now. Oh, brilliant. Cheers for your time, Michael. Cheers, brother. Cheers, boys. And it's quite interesting, actually, because he plays Jose de Sousa tomorrow, who also overcame a, a last leg decider against Mervyn King on a belter on stage two. I won't leave it um, uh, holding much. Uh, I won't do too much into it because uh, I know we've got to get on with it. But this was incredible. Nine all. It was an unbelievable game. Averaging 102.4 was Merv, 97.9 for Jose. Mervyn left himself on 1-3-1 for the match. Sorry, sorry, hit a 1-3-1, sorry, to leave himself on 36 for the match against throw after 12. 
Jose though goes and pings in a 103 on double 16 for a 15 data. I think I nearly I nearly exploded on the stream when I was calling that one in. It was one of the best games I've seen all day. And uh, Jose de Sousa, will he be adding to his major collection after the Grand Slam win? Who knows what a game that's going to be. Smith and de Sousa, we will tell you on which stage it's on, if you haven't already looked on Twitter, uh, in just a second. Uh, Luke, I'm going to stay with you, mate. I'm going to talk about Michael Van Gerwen against Scott Mitchell. Scott Mitchell was in a position to go and win that game. Scott Mitchell was in a position to, to go and do something. He was 7-8 up after the 101 checkout. And I just don't know whether the 101 maybe took the wind out of his sails a little bit because MVG went 16-14, 16 to go and win the game. That's not that I'm not saying that anything over 15 looks is bad quality, but do you know what I mean? It's not what's the word I'm looking for when I say this? It's not necessarily what you'd expect from Van Gerwen. You'd expect him to go maybe 12, 11, 12. So he had chances there, did Scott Mitchell, but in the end, it's it's MVG that comes up, that comes through and just like last year, he beats his uh, first opponent in the UK Open 10-8. Yeah, 100%. I mean, you say he had chances. This, this is it where Scott Waits' average dropped off, averaging 87, 76 and 89 in the last three legs isn't good enough. He, did, he didn't leave himself on the double. He didn't give himself. Earlier on in the match, he had so many chances, but in the last few legs, he just faltered a little bit. And yet, I still look at Van Gogh and I still don't think he's quite there where he needs to be. I still think he's on full tilt, so... Scott Mitchell had a huge chance today and I'm not going to say he blew it because Van Gerwen did come back strong but you know as you as you say rightly a 16-14-16 isn't world world champ three-time world champion material that's not what we come to expect of Michael Van Gerwen if he does that again in the next round I fear he will be punished but for Scott Mitchell it's experience of playing the, the past world number one and arguably the best player in the world well, of the last decade, maybe. But, you know, Scott Mitchell's going to take a lot from that match. And hopefully, if he gets back in a position where he gets to play someone like Matt Van Gerwen or Gerwen Price again, he's learned from his mistakes. But for me, that, that, was, that was so winnable. It was such an opportunity for Scott Mitchell, especially when you saw him lead 8-7, you really thought that was going to be it. But Michael Van Gerwen doing special things. Yeah, Lee, this is the thing I'm going to ask you. And, I, and it's not necessarily about Mitchell because, you know, Mitchell did well to get into that position. And I thought it could be an upset on it when, when the draw was made today. We always say you always get one opportunity to get at Michael Van Gogh in a, in a tournament before he goes on and wins it. Have we just had that one opportunity? Mm, what a question. Um, <laughs> what a question. Um, so... Potentially, I can't. I can't give you an answer to that one because <laughs> I do. I do think Mitchell has had a good opportunity, but when we also look at it from a Mitchell point of view, this is someone who only won his tour card last month. Yes, um, and then to to thumb up against Michael Van Doen and take eight legs is still some sort of achievement. I know it's not MVG of old, but it's an MVG who is performing better than he has done at stages last year, and certainly someone. I'm expecting to push on, especially in his next round. So I think he, he had a more difficult day today than he will have tomorrow and then some other opponents this weekend. So we could see MVG go on and win this and I would not be surprised at all. Um, I think he's going to get better than what he has got today. Is that enough to then go on and win it? I'm not sure, but I do think he will get better than the performance he's put in today. I'm saying that when he's got a 99 average. <laughs> so we're talking about MVG like he's not been great. He's still not a 99 average. So I do think he will that better this weekend. 
Right, let's hear from him now. Michael Van Gogh in his press conference afterwards. Here he is. Michael, many congratulations. Your defence of the UK Open has started, but that was a very tough examination to come through. Yeah, yeah, but you know... Well, what's right? You know what he's capable of, and you know what he can do, and I think he played well in the beginning of the game. Everyone could see I was struggling here and there, and when you're in that position... Uh, it's hard work and you make it difficult for yourself because if you just let let your dogs go and your mind relax, it makes it so much easier for yourself. But I'm not in that position at the moment and I know that and I'm aware of that and you have to do something against that and work hard and that's what I do. Did losing the world title, losing your world number one spot, has that spurred you on for 2021 to win all that back? Of course. <laughs> i got something to fight for again. It's a, that's a good thing, but uh, yeah, we, we all we all know one capable of, and uh, my confidence is still there. I feel good, but uh, there's still more in the tank. And uh, today, uh, the darts with the darts I played with today, uh, I only received them yesterday afternoon, five o'clock. So uh, yeah, I think I can't really complain uh, with that. I didn't even have them for 24 hours to practice with. I was going to touch on the new darts. Are, are we? Are you still tinkering, or are you close? to settling on a, on a set? It's always difficult because I know what I did with my old darts and that's... I won so many tournaments with them. My confidence with them is so good, but to be fair, lately, I'm not doing too well with them either and the, the grip is getting off. So there's still uh, a lot of work to do, but I think we start to get there. And uh, myself and Wimmo, I think... It's a phenomenal company to work with, especially the the technician. Uh, his name is Lee. Uh, he does a phenomenal job for me. And uh, of course, there's still more to come. But uh, I think for me, on it's not only the darts; it's also your head has to be good. Michael, pleasure as always, mate. And all the very best tomorrow. Thank you very much. Yes. Hi, Michael. Congratulations on uh, your result tonight. Um, yep. You are the consummate professional. You've been here before. You've faced the media lots and lots. You say the right things, you put on the right face, but are you under real pressure right now to re restore the old Michael? Of course, of course I'm under pressure. I know I'm under pressure and not only that, I'm under I am putting myself under the pressure because I know where I want to go. I know where I want to end and I know what my goals are. So it has to go better and still 99 average is good for a first round, especially over a performer like this, but I feel there's more in the tank and I'm aware of that, but uh, of course there's still more to come and I still have to do more. Does every tournament that go by that you don't get result like the Super Series last week, is that in your mind? Because you're... Um, that's, that's not in my mind. That's uh, tournaments like this that, that matters, simple as that. And uh, uh, of course, I, what we just said, I'm under pressure all the time. It's really weird. Eh? I didn't want the Worlds. I didn't, uh, I didn't want the Masters, but still I'm favourite for this tournament. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. People still have so much belief in me, and that's a good thing because I have a lot of belief in myself. And what would it mean to you to do you feel like you need to put down that mark again and say, I'm number one, I'm better than Gerben and Peter? I'm better anyway, and I know that. And I don't have that's not even a question, that's not even an answer. That's people know that, and even the bookies know that, otherwise, they wouldn't make me favorite. Still, everyone looks up to me. I'm not gone off the planet yet, and I'm probably to wind everyone up. I'm going to play for a few more years, especially after Corona. Okay. Wind Thank everyone you. up. Thank you very much, Michael. You're welcome, mate.
Michael, congratulations on the win tonight. You mentioned in an interview before this tournament, it's the mental aspect that you need to deal with. Is it purely about winning games or is it the performance too is as important as the win? Sorry, mate, your line was a bit bad. You mentioned that coming into this, it's the mental aspect that you need to work on, that you need to deal with. Is, is the performance as important as the win? The, 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 of course, the mental aspect is really important then. Of course, the, you only can sort that with yourself and you only can re resolve it with winning games. That's the only thing that helps you. Especially games like this, because this was a tough game. I've played someone today who was slow, not my rhythm at all. He was talking behind me. He, he does anything in his power to try to beat me, and he couldn't. So that's a good thing for myself. And you need to try to get your, 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 your strength out of that and make sure you do better in the next one. Was it difficult to keep your concentration tonight then, obviously what you just mentioned there with everything going on on stage? But I can allow myself to, to not be concentrated enough because I'm not in the position to to give other people a finger because if they take a finger, they take a hand. You could see it in the people who played me in the last, probably say six, seven, eight months. If you don't do too well, they're going to beat you because they are capable of and You need to make sure you're a step ahead of them. And you mentioned about the world number one spot. Is that your biggest target this year to get that back? Yeah, of course, but that only can happen at the end of the year uh, with the Worlds, of course, but it's too far away. But, uh, yeah, of course, it's still my target. Thanks, Michael. Thank you. You're welcome. So then, that is MVG coming through against Scott Mitchell. Uh, gentlemen, I wanted two more big stories to talk about, and then we will go through the results of everything. Let's start off with John Brown, because... What a day for him. Like, he's come through from round one to round five, you know. And the thing for me about John Brown is the fact that his dad got timed out. Obviously, Steve Bomber Brown, he got timed out in the first round of the bloody event um, that he was playing in. He was playing, I think he was playing in round two against Scott, uh, Scott Waits on board three. Uh, and it, it was a big moment. And, and you, sorry, on, on board four, sorry, in round two. Big moment for him. And he, and he, and he you know, he, he did what he did. But he, but he didn't take, but he took it all in his stride, didn't he, John Brown? He took it completely all in his stride. And that, for me, was was a real big thing. And, and Lee, who's to say he can't go on now? He's in the last 32. We saw players from nowhere last year doing the same. Can, can we can we possibly do it again? I mean, you beat Gavin Carl in 6-3. He pretty much, you know, he, he, he did bits in round three as well, beating Chaz Barstow by the same scoreline. Just trying to work out where he was in, in round two. Um, I can't seem to find him on, on my on my on my wonderful sheet that I've just crossed out everything on. Um, um, yeah, but, so but do you know what I mean? It, it was a busy day, and then he comes through and beats Mark McGinley ten six. Now you know I appreciate it's not necessarily the toughest of draws, but still come through that. It's not bad. Yeah, so the one you the one you've missed out is the one. The reason it's spun to mind is because the one it was spoke um, spoken to about in his interview which was when his dad hadn't turned up yeah. to the board, which was then to Nathan Rafferty. It comes through 6-5 in that one. And that was at the time where um, Steve Brown, obviously, he didn't turn up to his board and then stopped waiting. And he openly said that he was looking over while he was playing his game. So to come through that one 6-5, to then push on against Chaz Barstow, um, impressive. But the most impressive performance for me was tonight against Mark Medini. We've seen Mark Medini on a... I think it was on board two this afternoon at one stage. And he, Mark Medini put in some good stuff this afternoon. So then to see John Brown beat in 10 sits, 
fairly convincing win. I can't see John Brown new to the tour as well. Um, I can't. I can see him having a good year. I see him being in the top sixty-four after two years. I'm not sure that's going to be a worry for him. But yeah, why can't he push on? And uh, another big story, um, Luke, is the story of Alan Souter, who beat Raymond Van Barneveld quite comfortably in the end, in the first, in the second round, 6-3, getting a sort of revenge of the Pro Tour. He then goes and beats uh, Mickey Mansell 6-3, and then he goes and produces an absolute performance against Stephen Bunting 10-5. Yeah, I mean, I said this to you on stream, but I still do 100% stand by the fact that I think Alan Suter can win a Pro Tour this year. I do think the quality that I've seen from him, he's sort of a Johnny Clayton type in that, you know, he's still got a full-time job, but the darts is sort of a secondary thing and he, he seems to be treating it as such at the minute and that's that's maybe quite a good thing. It just keeps the pressure off him. Didn't seem to be phased against Van Barneveld, which will obviously be the big highlight of the day for him. But, you know, he still got through it against Stephen Bunton, which was never going to be an easy match when we've seen Bunton's form in recent weeks, uh, especially at the World Championship semi-final. So, Alan Super's got a lot... He's got, a, you know, he's got a lot to prove, but he's doing it so quickly in the PDC. I mean, he's mm. he's already, I think, at eight and a half thousand pounds. Now you only need fifty thousand over two years to get to the top sixty-four. So I've got no doubt he'll do that. But can he set sights higher than that? Can he get himself into the world match play on the first attempt? Can he get himself into the world Grand Prix on the first attempt? These are all questions that remain unanswered. But yeah, I think he's got a really good chance of getting through tomorrow. I can't remember who he's got, but he didn't have a game that I didn't think was unwinnable. So. Alan Suit was a name to watch for in the draw if he does get through to the last 16. And he is going to be, uh, he's on the outside boards, like you say, because he's got Ron Moodenkamp, but we will talk yeah. about that in a little in a little while. Let's go through the full results then from round four. We appreciate it's been rounds one to three and all that sort of stuff, but it's a, basically a qualifying round. So we're going to go on to round four and just tell you what happened this evening at the 2021 UK Open. So stage one, we've already talked about in, in May. Gary Anderson, nine. Dirk, uh, ten, uh, sorry, Dirk van Dijvenberde, 10. Gary Anderson, nine. Michael van Gerwen, 10. Scott Mitchell, eight. The one game we haven't talked about was the world number one, Gerwin Price. He came through 10-5 against Peter Hudson. We haven't talked about it because there ain't really much to talk about. Price, the only problem for me was his doubling is still all over the place. He still has to find an extra gear if he's going to go and win the UK Open this weekend. But I think you'll know that Peter Hudson just did not get going. And I say, we've already talked about Dave Chisnell, 10, Peter Wright, 5. On to stage two, a belter of a game, which we touched on. Jose de Sousa taking out a 103 for the match to beat Mervyn King, 10, on an epic. Rob Cross, which we haven't talked about, and we haven't because we haven't got time tonight, came back from 8-5 down to win 10-8 against Andy Hamilton. That is the old Rob Cross. That is the Rob Cross that we do know is there. Can he... Get on a little bit. We will talk about that in a little bit because it's a great game that's coming up on the uh, on the main stage tomorrow in uh, in round five. Uh, Nathan Aspinall, the, two, the champion from two years ago, defending a hundred grand. He will not be doing it this time. He is now a number eleven in the world. It's a big old drop for Nathan Aspinall at this moment in time. Uh, he, he loses ten five to Christopher Tyski, and in fairness, Tyski just didn't you know to give him a chance really. Um, really good stuff from the Polish Eagle. And as we talked about, Michael Smith against Joe Cullen, game of the night for me by a long, long way. 10-9 in the end on stage two. Smith going through. Stage three was watched by Gob, so I'll just give you the headlines. Daryl Gurney moves up to number 10 in the world. He comes through a tight game against Jason Lowe, 10-8. Ryan Sell knocking out uh, the two-time world champion, Adrian Lewis, who, who gave some promise at the Masters, but nothing more than that now. 
Uh, he wins 10-7. De Searle, Max Hopp, almost had a nine data. There was a couple of them, which we'll talk about as well today. Uh, Vincent van der Voort was the uh, scout for the, for the German 10-6. And then John Brown has talked about beating Mark McGee 10-6 to cap off a memorable day. Stage four, Jermaine Watanina 6-2 up over Callan Rids, but Rids reels off eight straight legs to win 10-6. Johnny Clayton was in trouble early on, was 4-1 down to Rabi John Rodriguez, but comes through to win 10-7. The Felix is still in with a shout of winning at the UK Open. Darius Abanowskis beating Darren Webster by 10 legs to five. And James Wade against Ryan Joyce. Brilliant game between the pair. But Joy, uh, Wade coming through in a last leg decider, 10-9. Uh, stages five and six were watched by Lee. What were the scores on there, mate? Yeah, so uh, Ricky Evans came through the first down there against Ian White. Very good game, um, that one. Followed up by Alan Sutak. We've spoke about him already. He came through 10-5 against Stephen Bunting. Brendan Dolan then came through against Ty Fanlon. Very impressive performance by Brendan Dolan. Bit of a scrappy one, the last one on board five between Martin Clearmacher and Jamie Hughes. And Clearmacher came through that one 10-8. So then moving on to board six, Simon Whitlock. Come through and then Harold Sedlacek beating um, beating him 10-7. Devin Peterson come through 10-5 against Jeffrey Dizwan. We've seen the world match play champion knocked out 10-5 to Luke Woodhouse. And then the final game on board sits. Peter Jats came through against Andy Bolton in um, the last led decider. 10-9 that one was. Yeah, I mean, we haven't talked about Dimmy, but I'm, again, I'm going to give him a bit of a pass on that because his knee is still not fully healed. So I'm going to give him a pass on that. Stage seven and stages eight were watched by uh, Luke Pickering. Yeah, so stage seven, Menza Soljevic beat Sebastian Bielecki, the young teenager, 10-6. Came back from, I think, 3-1 down. So good mm. performance from Soljevic, really showed some class. He's got Van Gerwen next, so a big game for him. Clemens beat Hunt 10-4 which was actually the largest winner margin of any of the games in the last 64. So it doesn't usually happen like that. Sometimes we usually see some 10-2s or 10-3s, but 10-4 was the biggest margin we saw today. Ron Moonenkamp beat Steve Lennon, 10-7. Pretty unnoticed game, that one. Moonenkamp was 4-0 up. Uh, Lennon put, uh, pegged him back and managed to get the game back to level at one point, but Ron Moonenkamp was too strong in the end. And then David Evans led 4-0 against Maddis Rasma, but Rasma rallied back and got to 10-6 for the winning line. On board eight, Scott Waite started that off with 10-6 win over Keegan Brown. Again, it was a really good performance, a solid average from Scott Waite, and he set himself up good for the next round. Chris Dorby beat John Henderson 10-6. Henderson was maybe a little bit lucky to get through because he was 5-2 down against Matthew Redgate in the previous round, but he managed to win through that. Couldn't beat Chris Dorby, though, and he lost that one 10-6. The 10-6 has continued as Danny Noppert beat Glenn Durant 10-6 in their match. Danny Noppert was imperious. He was 6-0 up, really played well. Didn't, get, didn't, didn't give Glenn Durant a chance, but then hit the 170 and started to get back into the match. Couldn't get back, though, and Danny Noppert managed to finish that one off. And then in the final game, Luke Humphreys won 10-8 against Kim Hybrix. That was a match that was pretty much going all on throw until Luke Humphreys finally managed to get the break in the second-to-last leg and then finished the match off 10-8. Yeah, a big, big congratulations, by the way, to Sebastian Bielecki, um, who hit a nine data, as Lee uh, talked about at the start, saying that uh, within 10 minutes, we basically had a nine data on the stream. Incredible. <laughs> yeah. uh, and then also, he had one hit against him, didn't he, Lee? Uh, yeah. Uh, I think I'm... it was GT van der Waal in the second round. 
Yes, he was, yeah. So round one, he hit one and one six two, and then he had one against him, uh, which wasn't covered off by me, but the first one certainly was, which was in, what, 10 minutes, 15 minutes of the action today. We've seen um, that nine data, and we've taught him as that was sort of happening around how many we'd seen these tournaments. And I think between us, the most anyone picked was two. And we had two by about one o'clock this afternoon, half past one this afternoon. So <laughs> it'll be interesting to see. And I, will, I do expect at least one more as the weekend goes on. But what a start to the day we had. Indeed, we hit that against Jim McEwen over on board six. So let's turn our attention to tomorrow. And this is how the lineup looks. Uh, on the main stage, you've got Rob Cross against James Wade, Gerwin Price against Ricky Evans, Michael Smith against Jose de Sousa, and then Michael Van Gerwen against Mensor Sudovich rounds off the action onto stage two, which has probably got the better games, to be fair. Uh, Darius Lavanaskis against Simon Whitlock, Daryl Gurney against Gabriel Clemens, Chris Dobie against John Brown. John Brown's going to be on PBC TV as is Johnny Clayton against Dirk van Dijvenbode. Okay. Uh, stage three. <laughs> Luke Humphreys against Ryan Searle. Callum Ridds against Martin Clearmacker. Alan Sousa against Ron Moodenkamp. And then Luke Woodhouse against Brendan Bolan. Uh, after that, stage four, we've got Peter Jack against, Peter Jack against Max Hopp. Uh, Scott Waits against Devin Peterson. Christopher Tyski against Marlis Rasma. And then rounding it off will be Dave Chisnott against Danny Noppert. They've obviously put Johnny Clayton against Dirk van Dijvenbode last on stage two, just in case. But even so, Luke. What? Yeah. What? I've, I'm absolutely gutted. You know, it was always going to happen. And, and anyone listening, the, there's always the protocol that the world number one and Michael van Gerwen will pretty much always be on board one. So we knew Gerwen Price against Ricky Evans. I don't think it's as good a game as Johnny Clinton against Dirk van Dijvenbode, but that was always going to be there. Cross and Wade are four and five in the world, so that was probably always going to make it. And Smith to Souza should be a quality game. They both played really well today and both went to last league deciders. So it was always going to be tough. One game always had to miss out, and I'm really sad because, to be honest, Clayton against Dirk van Dijvenbode was the best game of the round for me. But at least we are going to get to see it streamed. So if you have got PBC TV, thank God they've put it on there because that would have been an absolute crime if it hadn't even been streamed. Agreed. Um, yeah, Lee, what about you? Uh, get ties of the round there, potentially? Uh, yeah, it's, there's five games that could have been on the main stage for me, four of which have been picked, and the other one was Clayton and Dirt. Um, it's good to see John Brown being on a streaming board tomorrow, then Stolby. Um, one I'm looking forward to, then Alan Suter's not Ron Mullenkamp. Um, you did see Suterton push on in that one, but Real standout down for me in stage four. Don under the radar a bit. Stop weights versus Devin Peterson. Yeah. Um, I know yeah. Dob, Dob was commentating on the stop weights performance. He had, obviously, um, more targeters of John Brown not coming in um, round two. But I know stop weights was, I'm not sure what he finished on in round three, but I know it was around 107, 108 for a lot of that game. Then he's done on tonight and won. I was looking at the Devon Peterson game and it looked like the 180s were back there. I think it around seven or eight um, for Devon today. So that is certainly a game on board four for me. Obviously, we've got five, four or five very big games on the streaming boards, but on the outside boards, really looking forward to seeing uh, Waits and Devon Peterson. Totally agree. Right, gentlemen, that will do it, I think, for the UK Open Daily. Day one 
What a day we've had. Uh, Lee, Luke, thank you very much. You are now free to go to bed. Uh, <laughs> so, well, thank you very much indeed for listening. As always, uh, to the pods, we really do appreciate it. We, we're glad that you actually still want to listen to more darts content, even if we can't put it out. Make sure, if you are listening on the day, at 12 o'clock today, uh, as it goes out, 12 o'clock GMT, uh, we're live back with two with the four boards. So uh, we'll have boards three and four covered for you, as well as boards one and two. Uh, it will be Phil, Jack, uh, Lee and Cam in the afternoon. I'm back uh, on the stream tomorrow with Gob in the evening from seven o'clock GMT. Uh, that will mean uh, that will be uh, us doing both the boards so you can watch both of them on the live darts data with us and uh, basically just join in the chat and all that sort of stuff. So you can watch that with us completely. Uh, and we'll also be back tomorrow, myself, Phil and Gob for the pod uh, in the evening. So thank you very much indeed for listening. Day one at the UK Open is done. It is the maddest day of darts in the, in the history of the world, it feels like today. <laughs> but uh, in the end, it is a big day as Peter Wright and Gary Anderson make exits. Gerwin Price and Michael Van Gerwen are still in the hunt. John Brown and Alan Suit surprise on the way through from rounds one and two, respectively, into round five. And do we have another under-the-radar win coming your way? Who knows? We will be, we're down to 32 now. We will be down to eight by the time we release our next pod. So hopefully you can join us then. Join us from 12 o'clock for all the action, also on the live blog as well. And we'll see you tomorrow on YouTube or on the live blog for day two of the UK Open. Take care. Take care. Bye-bye. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 